0: I'm just gonna leave it running, and I'll have to trim
1: it all off. All righty. Well, I know we just prayed for uh, Steve, but I want to pray for this as well. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, and I just ask now um, that you would guide and direct our thoughts this morning as we look into your Word and look at the this uh, teaching and these ideas, these truths. Lord, I pray that you would guide us into truth in your name. I pray. Amen. All right, so uh, I think I have up here the review question from way back. Question, it's not working. Thank you, Paul. I'm sorry. Wow. There we go. Question 12. I don't have the uh, review question up there. The review question was question 8. What is the law of God as stated in the Ten Commandments? I think my favorite thing about the fact that we're doing this is that there was several... I think months ago, where I I had a question where I said, does anybody know that, does anybody love the Ten Commandments? And everybody was like, oh, yeah, we love that. And I said, can anybody name all ten of them? And nobody could. And so, But I think we could now, which is good. So that's a a great, great benefit. Um, We're ready for question 12, which was, what does God require in the Ninth and Tenth Commandments? And the way it's stated is this, um, and let's read this together. Ninth. That we do not lie or deceive, but speak the truth in love. Tenth, that we are content, not envying anyone or resenting what God has given them or us. So before I do the what does it mean, I'd like to go to the what, where do we get this from, which may be on the set, on the back side of this. Where do we get this from? Exodus 20, verses 16 and 17 which is, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, which, by the way, I think is primarily, this commandment is primarily about, to be honest with you, in legal situations, bearing false witness against your neighbor, okay? So, obviously, yes, don't lie, but the bigger idea here that was presented in this commandment is more of, a I think, a societal thing, don't bear false witness against your neighbor, so don't, get on the stand, so to speak, and say things that are not true about your neighbor for the purpose of bringing them down wrongly, right, or falsely. Um, and then verse 17, you shall not, which, when we talked about the different ways that people divide up the Ten Commandments, um, this one is actually the one that's split into two, where they had another one that's combined into one, the first two. This one is actually split into two for some people. Um, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, um, should not cover your neighbor's wife, his male servant, his female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. And it just kind of breaks up those things into two different ideas. Um, I think it was the neighbor's house, like his house itself, but then like his neighbor, your neighbor's wife, and all the other things that are associated with that. Um, so, let's go now to what does it mean? And like I said, no false witness. Um, But obviously, we see a lot in the New Testament where it takes those things into a deeper... Like, what's at the heart of not doing this? And also, where Ephesians does a great job is not just, don't do this, but what should you do instead, right? And so, I think Ephesians 4.25, Therefore, having put away falsehood, yeah, we got rid of this. What should we be putting on? Is it just, don't say lies? It's more than that. It says, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor... For we are members of, members, one of another. So it's not just simply don't lie, but speaking the truth. Let me ask you this question. What is the motivation behind the truth-telling in this verse? Okay, I'm going to ask that again. Give you some, you know, what's the motivation? What's the, what's the oomph? I'll give you a hint. The word for is in there. Let each one of you speak the truth as a neighbor. Four, so there's like, why, why would we do this? So what do you think? Now you can either answer it by reading it directly, or let's break that down. What do you think is the motivation behind speaking truth in this verse? Anybody? Wow, I hurt my right arm. Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't, I mean, we're members, right? Now what does that word members make you think of? Membership in a church, obviously, right? That's part of it. Part of, the body. part of the body. And that's why you said, don't want to hurt my right arm. So Paul connects this truth-telling with that concept that we're, we're, we're in this together. Think about that. Oh, yeah, go ahead. It's a loving thing to do. Yeah, it's a loving thing to do. But think about why it's a loving thing to do. Think about your own body, right? And some of you might know what this is like. If, if you had, and I've heard of people before that lose their sense of pain. I don't know if that's a real thing or only in sci-fi movies. I have no idea, to be honest with you. Is that a real thing? Yeah, yeah it's, it's children, it's actually terrible because right. if you take a hot spoon, you don't know it. So you can sit there and touch it,
2: touch it, touch it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a real excuse. Oh. They
1: yeah. yeah, I mean.
3: Yeah, don't know when something's
1: hurting you. Think, think about that reality. So, you touch a hot stove was your example. What was the one that you gave, Stacey? You said what? The diabetes, when you have
3: diabetes and you start to lose feeling in your feet. Lose feeling, your feet. Like yeah. my cousin, she had, she lost feeling in her feet. She was on the treadmill and she didn't
1: know that her feet weren't moving. So she rubbed them off. Ugh. Yikes. Okay. So, but think about that. Think about the reality of that. If your body is not telling you the truth about what it's going through, does that not affect your whole body? I think that's what Paul's saying here. There's an important element to truth-telling that's not just about you and about that person, but about all of us. I think in the Old Testament, the not bearing false witness was it was, was that bigger societal thing. As a society, think about how important it is, truth in a society, right? Because when falsehoods are spread, and I know that that's, man, that's, a, that's a catchphrase right now— um, Fake news, right? I mean, I mean, but when falsehoods are spread, it causes all kinds of problems. I mean, honestly, it's so difficult with things that are going on in our world. If you don't have the truth and you know that it's... If you don't have that, it's it, it creates all kinds of problems, does it not? But let's bring it into what Paul's talking about, specifically within a church. I mean, think about the importance of truth in the church. So, if, I mean... Let's 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 get real specific. We were listening on the way home last night. We we're listening to uh, John Piper talk about um, pastors failing in some of those things, and it's it's really scary stuff. By the way, you know, we if you know those things, you know, we we'll, would we'll be judged more highly. But think about how often there's been pastors that have fallen because they were going through a struggle, but they weren't telling anybody. I think that's what this is about. Speak the truth with your neighbor. Because we're, we're members of one. I mean, that's the other side of this is if I'm going through something and I don't tell you, I mean, but, okay, let me ask you this question. Why do sometimes we, okay, maybe I'm not lying, but I'm just not telling the truth. What's one of the motivations behind that? Why do you, for example, with the pastors, why would a pastor just not say, here's my struggle? Pride is great. Huge, isn't it? Fear. What else? Fear. Fear. Repercussions of what that could mean. But I think, then you put those two together. This, that fear of what it could mean for you, loss of, uh, I think especially with pastors. Loss, this is actually one of the freeing things about being a bivocational pastor. My life is not depending on the income that the church gives me, right? It's such a blessing, but it's not depending on that. And so I, I don't have that particular element to deal with. But I think for many pastors, if, if they're struggling with something, there's that, that fear that if I just say this is where I'm struggling the church will go, well, we got to let you go, as they might need to. But then, can you imagine that? Like, to come forth with my sin would be, I'm fired. A lot of other occupations would have the same issue. But how, how detrimental it is ultimately when people have, I think, way back at the very beginning, before it said, we should fire you, but when that's just that struggle, the honesty and the struggle is so essential for because we're members one of another. We're in this together. Any thoughts on that part? I think it's good because, uh, I mean, you have
3: men, Paul, if you have men in the church that will hold you accountable, I think we all need to be held accountable. It's easier if someone comes lovingly to you and says, I see this, Mm -hmm. and uh, let's pray and see if we can't work through this.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. very good. Any other thoughts on this? Just that truth, tell them, the truth element in us as members of one of another. But let, let me throw this one out. It's easy to say, well, yeah, they should tell the truth about their struggles. But let me ask you this: Do we create an environment that helps eliminate the fear and the pride? You see what I'm saying? Do we? I mean, do we create an environment at this church? I mean, we we could talk about other churches and their issues, man. Every but we got enough of our own. I, sometimes I look at us and I think we're doing pretty good. But do do we do that? I mean, that we can't let go of that. I hope, especially for those that are newer, that you you feel that. If I can use can you use the word feel it? <laughs> can you, you feel you feel it like I hope you feel. Um, what are things we can do to create an environment where truth-telling can be freed from pride and fear? What are things we can do as a group, as a body, to create an environment where truth-telling can be freed from pride and fear? Yeah. Um,
2: promoting an atmosphere of we're not here to criticize or to judge anybody. Mm.
1: A complete, just a, a non judgmental environment, right? I think
3: our our approach too, has to be very loving because I know you know you know sis and I. Mm-hmm. If she comes at me telling me, so like, mom, you know." <laughs> but if if she's thought through it, she comes and says she's loving about it, and I know she cares, really cares. about open ears, but mm-hmm. you know I think and I think that's with anybody. If you approach them harder, you know whatever I think. Oh yeah. Yeah, they have to know you love them to receive
1: this. Yeah, I've heard that before. All, all, all truth with no grace mm-hmm. can be harsh. You know, all grace but no truth. I mean, I can't remember what the phrase, how the phrase goes, but that's just that can be just as bad, can it? All grace without the truth. I mean, these things need to go hand in hand. And
3: that's a battle on because you know if you're a black or white person, mm-hmm. much, that's hard because you really got to think.
0: You know, I love this person.
1: That's why I'm doing this. Not because
0: they're sinning and I know the
1: answer. It's because I love them. I don't want
0: anything to happen. Good. What else can we do? Yeah. I think it goes hand in hand. Not bearing falsehood. Mm That trust that's built in in your membership, in your body, in your group, community, whatever, like your family that, that this is, with... Knowing and speaking the truth with each other mm-hmm. that automatically creates an environment for that communication to take place, where it's not going to be a situation where this person is going to go, oh, he said this, and then he goes and tells it. You know, it kind of kind of creates a, a atmosphere, of privacy, still still discussing amongst each other, but mm-hmm. there's no direct judgment on it. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense. No, I think it does. Yeah? I think our little crazy testimony is a very good
2: showing Mm -hmm. of the church because um, even the shows times of the struggle, but even um, the other end of it, or like, even Charity will share, like, man, that's a crap week, but she shows the other end of it, how she comes out of it. So, like, whether you have the other end of it, where you say like I'm struggling, you also have the, maybe the stronger mission that can show you that other have it too. So mm-hmm. you know like, hey, like, I can learn from that too. Like, so yeah. you know like it's not just I can struggle but yet I can learn from that too. So yeah. like it's not mm-hmm. just like you know when you're struggling, it's like we all struggle but yet we can all learn from that so we can all share that. Okay.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And has anybody been, before I, has anybody been motivated to share based on hearing somebody else, even during praise and testimony time, they were, they, they were talking about their struggle and you're like, have, has anybody ever heard something like that and gone, I'm not alone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and then over here, you were going to yeah, say. I
4: mean, all these together, but being somebody newer in new, here, mm-hmm. nobody's been quiet about their life and their struggle and you know we've been through a lot and it i think when you've gone through stuff you recognize when other people have gone through stuff mm-hmm. and you can tell in their attitude and their um, in and how they approach things that hey we've been through stuff too and we're we know there's more stuff to come yeah and it's not just a it's not just a thing that's like oh yeah that's in the back of my mind that we're broken people and that the church is supposed to be a place of healing but you're you're living it and that's why i appreciate so much about being here mm. yeah. i don't know
2: if you planned it but when you mentioned sunday your feelings when your son's out driving you know are they going to have an accident or something then it's like well i've had those same thoughts you know mm-hmm. and then we, we we talked it through the other night the fact that you go there but you know that God's gonna give you whatever you need when mm-hmm. you approach that situation.
1: Yeah. That's that's one of the things that I I would like to say, I I mean, it'd be great if I could get up here and say I've been real purposeful <laughs> about being honest. But I, to be honest
0: <laughs>
1: sometimes I'm just I'm I'll be pre like that example, I didn't have that in my notes at all. But I was saying it just popped in my head and I, pfft, this is what i you know i and, and so i guess there's some major purpose, purposefulness in that where i know that it's it's good for a church when a pastor is just honest about their struggles. and so when those things pop in my head even in the middle of a sermon i'm like yeah, yeah that's a and a, there you go. right? and i think there's some benefit to the Pff.
4: yeah because that's 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 you living it out not not even thinking twice about you know, we've all grown up in the modern church, right? Mm-hmm. And there was, there was a, a stigma of like, if something's wrong in your life, there's something wrong in your walk with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it made it really hard. And so, if a lot of us have been through that era, it's really hard to share now. hmm. Whereas there's a lot of people that haven't been in that that are just broken. They're just coming in. They're like, I got nothing. I got nothing to prove. I got nothing to hide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's where I'm at. I need Jesus. Yeah. And they can adapt to, if, are, if the church is still caught up in that modern era of judgment and there's something wrong in your life, then they can adapt to that too. But I think that's, we have to come out of that. Yeah. I, I think you yeah. guys model that well.
0: We, we try.
3: Yeah. I think we get used to saying I'm fine.
0: Mm. Yeah, how are you? Okay. Oh, I'm doing great. You know, like, oh, I'm
3: doing great. Like, you just don't, you don't, like, that is just, you just get used to saying that instead of being open mm-hmm. and, like, struggle. you know, like, where are you struggling? How did you struggle this week? And instead of, like, asking, like, hey, did you struggle? Like, where was your struggles this week? Can I help you? Mm-hmm. And instead of, like, how are you? Because yeah. you're instantly going to be on fine. Yeah. Because you don't
0: want to talk.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't like to talk either. Yeah.
0: That would change some conversations though. are So how are you... We... Where did you struggle this week? Like, just walking past somebody in the morning? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's got to be somebody, like, someone, like, yeah. you just walking <laughs> But it comes out of community. Yeah, it comes out of relationship.
4: It comes yeah. Out of, yeah. It comes out of openness. And yeah. out of openness creates that bond of, yeah. of relation. And then that's yeah. that openness yeah. to talk.
1: I, I can remember, uh, we, the church that, and Charity would know exactly where I'm going with this story before I can start. The church that we were in down in South Carolina was a great big church. But they did a really good job at building this kind of stuff, trying to be small in their family attitude. And there's there's side effects to that because sometimes you get people that are – now, I don't want to say too open, but it feels too open. Um, you know, and I, I can remember in, in a church of – and kids, I apologize here, but um, – this this young boy gets up and he starts you know it was a praise and testament time huge church we got a thousand people in there he starts confessing things that probably every boy in this room has struggled with in their teenage years and he was starting getting a little too detailed and the pastor like he like zoomed up out of the ground I don't know where he came from he was like <laughs> brother we need to pray for you like he was so good at that he's like just, I'm like, where did he come from? Like he, he was over there a minute ago, and he, Zoom, we need to, and just like in, a, in casual, like, but, you know, there, there's some, some goodness to that thought that that kid thought, I can just say this, you know. Matthew,
3: I, th- I think so. we have to be careful, though. I remember the first time we visited Church of New England, we remember There, we were approached the first, time, <coughs> and this guy come up and begin to ask personal. Mm. Questions right. and Dwayne said, "I'm, but that's your
0: business." <laughs> <laughs> he, he said, "How's your uh, relationship with the Lord?" But he was. I said, we "Well, I guess that's between me <laughs> and the Lord." <laughs> we
3: didn't know him. I mean, yeah. we didn't have a relationship. We didn't know yeah. him.
1: But it was like, "Whoa." Yeah. Well, so okay, so on that, I would like to say two things. One is that's why I think we we have to think about creating an atmosphere, right, where where that's where things like that sometimes it's it's not good to just <clears throat> right. but if you can create an atmosphere where that's people start to feel like I could talk about my relationship with the lord at this church
4: don't be judgmental
1: yeah don't it's be judgmental strong. okay let me give you let me give you a couple simple ones facial expression mm-hmm. if somebody starts sharing with you like they finally like and I feel like I can share with you their, their sinful struggles and you go oh that is not going to create an atmosphere where they feel like they can share those things, right? Another one is how we talk about things. Like, I'm going to, get, I'm going to be a real specific one. Sexual sin, many times we can, we can talk about it with an air of disgust. I think we should always look to find ways to throw in there, but I understand where that, how that struggle can happen. I totally get it. Because you never know, the person you're talking to may have that buried deep, is afraid to talk about it. Needs help. Wants help, but they don't think they can bring it up because. And then you, when you go, yeah, I mean that that guy did that. that was, oh, so disgusting. okay. You might be right. It might be totally disgusting, but I think it's good to throw in there. But you know, but I, I, to be honest with you, when I see people like that, my heart just moves with compassion. That could have been me, right?
0: But, Even you know I, when someone like that happens. Got
1: the attitude, but by the grace of God, there go I. Yes. Yeah. So important. So important, isn't it? All right. I want to say. I want to shift it this a little bit. This actually worked out way better than I thought it was going to. Um, So one of the things that I notice in the New Testament is where Christ does this through the Sermon on the Mount, specifically with different things. But Paul does it. We see it throughout. Taking those things of just don't do this to the do. And it gets to the heart of where this, what the sin actually is. And so I want you to think about the conversation we've had so far. The commandment was, don't bear false witness. But we've moved this to a place of, of like, not just how we talk, but how we hear and how we listen and we're not being judgmental. There's all kinds of other things there. And so notice the command, don't bear false witness, when you get to the heart of it, there's, there's so many other things going on. And you might have been sitting here going, "I don't, I don't lie," but then you might be thinking, "I'm not always that forthcoming, or I'm not always that honest, or I'm not always receptive to truth." I'm not always, and that could even mean two things: receptive to truth, like if you know, like you're talking about, like if somebody brings it to you, right? Or, or receptive to truth, like being somebody that presents themselves as someone that you can talk to me, right? That, that I'm going to understand, I'm not going to judge you, I'm going to, I'm going to have compassion for you, and so you see how we took that down to the heart of it, that way it worked way better than I thought it was going to. <laughs> I was hoping we would do that, but it, it, that worked out pretty good. All right, I want to move to this, the 10th the commandment, coveting, but I wanted to see if there's any lies, any like thoughts that were popping in your head. This is one of my favorite things about Wednesday nights. Um... Uh Mrs. Doolin has given me the terminology for it, spiritual synergy. Like just all these other things come into play, things that I've never thought of before. I just hear all kinds of interesting truths of different takes on it. So before we move on away from this to the next part, anybody have any additional thoughts where you go, oh, man, just talking about this, this popped in my head, or this thing here, or, what about this? Anybody have anything extra? I
3: think sometimes, I, I, again, I always... I think sometimes you've got to be direct with
1: people. in counseling, mm. sometimes you've got to say, hey, you've got to get this together. Because yeah. so, uh, sometimes they don't hear. Yeah. They just don't hear. Yeah.
3: Does that make sense? It does. I, I struggle
1: with that sometimes. I know. I, I want to be... He's a nice guy. <laughs> I, I, I just want to be nice. I want I try to be nice. I'm harmless. What can I say? <laughs> and uh, I to just like... To just tell people, like, "Wow, you're blowing it." <laughs> I, I try to come up with how do I say that to where it doesn't defeat them or deflate them, and and sometimes I can't. Like I, I just so much don't want to do, but the, the, you got sometimes you got to, and knowing how to.
4: But I think with that, that approach, though, because it, mm. because you contemplate it, it, it's a loving approach. Yeah. If you didn't contemplate it and it was easy for you, just. To Ah, yeah. you got this, you got this, you got this, then people aren't going to receive it.
2: I mean, I've been on the receiving end of that. Mm-hmm. So, like, one, that's another way is having that Christian counseling mm-hmm. here is another way to show, I think, that we're an open church. Like, if you want it, it's not like we're cramming it down our throat. Yeah, this year if you want it. But, um, and then once you have that trust, so like, um, that's why I like it, like I know that there's a love there. Mm-hmm. So um there's things that yeah, like I don't like to hear it because you have like you don't want to hold on to that pride, but like Dying thankful like for the truths that I've heard. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe you're some self pride there or you know, like mm, you know, this You know, like and i'm like yeah i don't like hearing that because that's not what i'm thinking but then i'm like crap that's probably true yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know, yeah. Like, you know and then I'm like, guys charity held that Bible study and like that's where I was like super lost and struggling and I was like in a I mean I was so godset. like I was like having counseling but I was like this is not working I like need a biblical counselor mm-hmm. I don't need just somebody like oh you're good you know no like I need the truth and that's the first she's like okay like I will do this but I'm tough and I was like that's what I want you know mm-hmm. just, so regardless of whether I like it I want the truth you know yeah. so yeah I was like I like you right now. <laughs> you know, I love you. Like, yeah. you know, like, okay. we, like I would never hurt you.
1: We could we could take like, my fighting right now. Like this is how I feel. I would like to
2: hurt you but I'd love you. Since, <laughs> since
1: she's not in here.
2: Yeah exactly. We can like, we like, can say
1: like she does a great job at I, I think she she fleshes out her name, to be honest with you. <laughs> right? Charity Harmless. Yeah. Um, but she She's so good at, like, I'm going to tell you the truth, but the people that I know that have talked with her, they, they never doubt the love. They never doubt the compassion. Um, I think that one thing that I know this from talking to charity, but in my own heart as well, that I can't remember where I had this a long time ago. Um, there's that passage in the Bible that says, um, before you take the the speck out of your brother's eye, get the beam out of your own eye. And we, I heard a pastor one time say, one of the good applications of that is to see all of your sins as beams and all of their sins as specks. And I think that, that when you get that in your mind, it affects your demeanor and your facial expressions and your tone of voice. I mean, all those important things. It's not like you have to think about what kind of tone of voice am I going to have. When you have that idea that I, I'm like, I got a beam that I'm working out. This person has a speck compared to the, some of the things I've got. And when that's in there in your heart and you genuinely believe that, it makes it so much easier when you're talking to somebody about their sin. And you're, because it, starts to, it just comes out. They can tell that you don't look down on them at all. They start to figure out that you're like um, that phrase, we're just beggars showing other beggars where there's bread. You know, we're just, that's, that's all we are. We're just the crumbs of God's grace. We're just crawling after it together. Good. All right. We could talk a long time about those things. Um, I want to talk briefly about, because I'm going to run out of time, we're going to talk briefly about the the coveting side of things. Um, uh, The first verse I have for you also comes from Ephesians 4. um, And this is really about the the, the stealing, but I think that it kind of catches some of the heart of the the covetousness kind of together with it. Um, Let the thief no longer steal. Right. But rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have. And this is the part I think that we're going to capture here that he may have something to share with anyone in need. I think there's that heart of generosity that's addressed with the don't steal. Don't just don't take other people's stuff. But actually, the, the down at the heart of it is I'm working not just to meet my own needs. But also, how can I give to others if they have needs? I mean, can you imagine a church where everybody had that mindset? Right? Now, it's tough sometimes because sometimes people have needs and I don't know about them. There was somebody I was talking to just last week and I said, I wish you would have told me. You had that need. Because we, I mean, we've we got, we get part of our giving goes into what's called a benevolent fund where we that just builds up where we're able to say, in fact, the deacons are the ones over that where they can go, you have a need? You got a power bill you can't pay? Here you go. Right? And I trust the deacons entirely. I, I have no say over that. I might, if I know about something, I'll tell them, but that, that's all on them. Like they, they're, they're to, I'm trusting them to evaluate, What? oh, here's a need in the church. I want to, in fact, as we get into this coming year, I really want to talk to the deacons about, because we're going to have more than two, I'd uh, like to talk to the deacons about Having those eyes that are like, okay, can I see what's going on and how can I help? And trying to, like, making that a number one priority for them. Um, all right, let me give you another one here, coveting.
0: That verse there would be the perfect verse to put on a big billboard in Times Square in New York. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no kidding. And that's all I got to say
1: about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So there's so many of these I've got I've got in my office at school I have a bunch of proverbs on my wall um, that are all about like the the fool shows his annoyance at once but the righteous overlooks an insult and I've got those up there and I've been uh, the last few weeks just really the kids that just lose it we've got kids that just if somebody if they even feel slightly insulted I'm like the fool shows their annoyance I'm so, annoyed, that's so annoyed. I'm so like, annoying well the fool shows their annoyance at once you know, the the, the the wise, the prudent overlooks those things. And I talk about why that is with them. Um, all right. So with the thought of a proverb here, I'm going to go to a proverb. Uh, the desire of the sluggard kills him. I find this interesting because you'd think that desire for stuff would drive you to not be the sluggard. Right? And I think some people, are, that's how they're motivated. I want this and I'll work really hard to get it. In fact, I think sometimes the world even like, uses that as a motivation. You want to get what you want, work really hard, you can get it. And there's some truth to that. But I like this proverb because it says the desire of the slugger kills him. So I think what this is talking about, I think maybe what this t- is talking about, if you let your desires or your coveting be your motivating force, you're going to start to have problems because when you're working, you'll have a desire to stop working. Right? And desires can be very short-sighted. And so, yeah, that, that might work for a little while, but you're going to have some issues. If you start letting the desires of your heart be the, the like the, those covetous desires, I think is what this is talking about. Not just anything that you want, but those covetous desires of your heart, if you let them be the driving force... You'll start to have issues because you're going to start to have conflicting desires, which James talks about. That's where fights and quarrels come from. But you're going to have, start to have cli- conflicting desires in your heart because people that are driven by those things, they start to be driven more and more by <laughs> what they want. And all of us really, at the heart of it, in our most sinful state, we want what we want. We want it now. And we don't have to work to get it, Right? That's what we we want. What we want, we don't have to work to get it. And so that you see that, and I think that's what this verse is talking about. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. His hands are like, well, I don't want to do this. It's hard. I like the rest of this proverb as well, though. All day long he craves and craves, but the notice the flip side. The righteous, it doesn't say doesn't crave and crave. The righteous gives. And does not hold back. So the the way to truly defeat covetousness, I think you're going to see multiple examples we could have gone to. The way, the way to really defeat covetousness in your heart is to be generous. Because I think you start looking, when you're generous, you start looking not as, what what do I want? But you start to notice. A person with a generous heart, you know, I can say all I want. Hey, I didn't know about this need or that need. But the reality is, sometimes, sometimes we miss needs because we're not thinking about their needs. If I was talking to them and asking about their life and what's going on, that's and people who are generous are like that. I don't know if you know somebody that's generous, but the people who are generous genuinely tend to figure out what the need is because they're, they're, they're thinking that way. I've got, I've been blessed. How can I bless somebody else? Um, but the. The sluggard, all day long, he craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. All right, let me give you another one. This one I, I just want to put in here for fun because it creates a fun visual image of covetousness. Okay, this is a proverb. Um, <clears throat> there's, there's some covetousness peppered in here. Okay. Uh, when you sit down to eat with a ruler, observe carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat. If you're given to appetite, I don't know. I picture the. Don't do it. I I picture holding myself hostage. I think there's a a movie where a guy does that. Like, yeah, yeah, holding yourself like. But I get this picture like, oh, mm mm. I and I like that visual image because sometimes that's how I operate. I feel like I'm battling with in myself of like this is what I want, and sometimes I get in an argument with myself where I'm going, no, you don't, no, no, Matt, no. I have times where I get verbal outside of myself, which usually doesn't happen around other people. So I don't get too embarrassed by it. But I mean, there's times where I'm like, no. Bye. See ya. <laughs> Later. Um, you didn't like the knife to the throat thing. I guess just, it,
0: I guess. <laughs> um,
1: do not desire his delicacies for they're a deceptive food. Do not toil to acquire wealth. That's a big one, isn't it? Be be discerning enough to desist of those things. When your eyes light on it, it's gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings flying like an eagle toward heaven. There's so many good things in here that we could talk about, but I'm running out of time. Um, But I think there's so many great things in here. I'm going to have to move on because I really want to get to something else here. Um, Do not eat the bread of the man who is stingy. Do not desire his delicacies, for he is... Like one who is inwardly calculating, eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. That people are, stint, they're like that. They gotta, they're keeping a mental tally of receipt of what you've taken from them. <laughs> and there's a balance. What have they given to me? What have they, oh, we, gotta, we can't be like that. Um, for he's like one who is inwardly calculating, eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. You will vomit up the morsels that you have eaten and waste your pleasant words. Um, Hebrews 13 Another one, keep your life free from love of money and be content. So notice there's that love, that covetousness. Keep your life free from love. But notice in this, how do you battle that? Contentment. Contentment with what you have. And there's another reason in here. How can you be content? What's, What's the how can you be content? Notice the word for. For he has said, who's the he? Right? He has said what? Go ahead, you say it loud. For he said... He said that. So whatever situation you're in, you've got the one most important thing of all. He's here. I lose it all. He's here. Right? He's all you need. And I love how the scriptures do this, where they, they say, "Don't do this," do but if you stop there, that's impo- you can't be free from the love of money. If that's if that's how you battle it, just stop doing it. But if you start saying this contentment, but even in the contentment, how do I do? Because I'm with you. Great stuff. Um, let me get one more here. Uh, Godliness with contentment is great gain. I love that phrase. I heard somebody explain it one time. I'm trying to remember which who it was. What pastor was talking about? Godliness is a discontent with where you are in your relationship with God, but with content with everything you've got. Right. So godliness is like a constant striving to get closer to God, but absolutely content with the tools that He's given you to get there. Godliness, striving to be more like Him, but completely satisfied with what I have to accomplish that. If you've got that going on, that's great gain. Oh, <laughs> is it time? Man. They don't do that with you.
3: <laughs> hey, we used to have a, wow. got a doorbell.
1: You used to have a doorbell. Now we got a chuck.
0: I knew we shouldn't have put that Man. All
1: right. Let, let me give these things they, and I'll stop. Come in. Yeah.
0: yeah, come on, you coming to Sunday school,
1: you don't have to be skipping Sunday school, come on people. Um, I was going to put down for no no false witness, um, I had some blanks there. I think that one of the key elements is like stable society. I think also also you could have said stable community. It's so essential for a, a community that works, especially a Christian community in the church. Um, no coveting. I was going to say honorable work motivation, but I think that to really battle that what we're seeing is there's a lasting work motivation can come from contentment and generosity that will sustain you much more than I'm going to work to get this thing here that I really want, right? Um, the other thing I had down, and this, this is connected with that one, and I'm out, I'm out of time to explain this one, but I love this verse, or these two verses here, three verses. Um, and I'm completely out of time for the why else does it matter I'd like to encourage you maybe over this week to read Romans 7 7 through 11 to think why else does coveting matter? And one of the things I think you see in this passage right here from Paul is coveting played a certain role in his own demise so he could get saved. Right? I was doing great keeping these things, but then coveting came. It's like I read this and it's almost like he was like, coveting came along, don't covet, and suddenly I'm a sinner. Because I might have been, I hadn't killed anybody, I hadn't done this, I hadn't done this. I mean, we know, obviously, you can dig down deeper. But he was operating on that surface level of be good. But then coveting came along, and it accomplished Paul seeing, I'm a wretch. I think that's a huge, important element to these commands. But I'm, I'm going to be done before they do the, the triple knock. So um, <laughs> I'll pray and dismiss you guys. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for these passages of Scripture. I know that we had to move fast through some of them, but I I thank you for uh, especially the earlier conversation about the truth. Lord, I pray that you help us to be a church that is focused on being full of, of truth with each other. Lord, help us to accomplish that by how we see ourselves, how we see others, and how we see you. In your name I pray. Amen.
0: Um, I don't have a other little charger with this